Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I always say, and I guess, you know, they say, what's the definition of insanity? And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And for some reason, I still keep getting the same result because I still keep doing the same old thing. And I always say that I'm not going to wait till the last minute to do the show, but as usual, you're not going to wait until the last minute again to do the show. And, I mean, I want to say, charge it to the fact that my body is kicking my butt instead of me just being um, irresponsible because I, they say when you know better, you do better, and I do know better. But I want to thank you for joining me today because, first of all, it's my birthday weekend, so I'm a birthday week, so I'm going to be celebrating my birthday. Still don't know what the heck I'm going to do, but no matter whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off because yesterday I was a bad girl at Palo Casino, so I guess I'm on, on um, casino restrictions, so I guess i got to take the casino out of my birthday plans for this year because I already abused it yesterday, so... But thank you guys for uh, caring about me, asking me what I'm going to do. I'll let you guys know because it's two different things that I'm thinking about doing, but I'm going to do something. And you know it's going to involve food. Even though I lost 15 pounds doing my vegan stuff, my daughter said that I have not been consistent, but I did something right. So today's topic is entitled Substance Use and Relationships. Now, some of you may not know, but I am a licensed American family therapist. And in addition to being a therapist, I also own and operate two outpatient counseling centers. One of them is called the Center for the Treatment of Addiction and is located in Orange County. Now, before I bought the company, I used to work for Orange County Healthcare Agency, and I was doing assessments and evaluations for nonviolent drug abusers for Prop 36. Yes. Okay, so I was doing assessments and evaluations for nonviolent drug offenders. Now, I'm not a recovering drug addict, couldn't stand drugs, don't like to drink. I used to tell people, first of all, I eat too much to smoke marijuana, so if I smoke some weed, I might weigh about 500 pounds. Um, if you see my house, i got stuff all over the place. We're trying to clean out the garage and stuff now. i still got stuff all in my room. I need to move this stuff out of the way as I'm doing a show because I'm looking at it. But... Um, even with that, I tell the individual, I walk around, I'm not trying to degrade anyone, but we talk about tweaking. I have organized chaos, so you would swear, you know, and I could be real kind of paranoid at times. Um, I could go to sleep whenever I want to, so I don't need heroin. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's why I never did drugs or alcohol. So many people know me, know that, and they know how cruel I was to people in my past that did. And I come from a family history of substance use and abuse. And we're going to be talking about the difference between use versus abuse. So I have my first caller on. So I think this is my cousin. So let me see. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predictions, Vlog Talk Radio. How are you doing? I'm Jeanette. Hey, cousin. How are you doing today? I'm good, girl. How are you doing? You know what? I got a birthday coming up this week. Arthritis is kicking my butt. 
you know, I, I, my, my garage is being cleaned out right about now, and you know how they say one man's trash is another person's jewel? Because as we're cleaning uh-huh. out, I ain't saying that ain't did nothing. But as he's out there cleaning out my garage, I hear my neighbors asking for stuff, and he bringing me pictures of me as a baby and my mom holding me. and You know, and it's bringing up so many memories is what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's teaching me something because even as I can't complain about where I am in life, but Cedric, arthritis ain't no joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the casino last night. Wait a minute. I was at the casino last night being a bully, right? With this man that was sitting at the table and he was I knew he was under the influence of alcohol. And um I had to let him know, do you realize you got a five hundred dollar chip up under here? The way that man was playing. So the man did something right. He said he was listening because he didn't want me fussing at him and I said, You know what? Yes, black women we do fuss. But I tried to give the man a high five. Cedric, the man closed my hand and cracked all my knuckles. I wanted to holler and hit him back at the same time. But when he closed my hand and popped my knuckles, it did feel kind of good, but I just didn't want my knuckles popped. But I'm telling you, these joint pains, ooh, ooh-wee. I'll tell you what, Jeanette, I've recently started drinking cucumber water. And I could, you I mean, I water? Yeah. You just, you just cut out, like, twice and like half a cucumber. Mm-hmm. You did what? I never heard of cucumber water. I heard of coconut water, but I never heard of cucumber water. So that helps with joint pain? You oh, tremendously. Your your uh, your muscles, your blood pressure, all kind of stuff. Cucumber uh, water. I'm going to try that. You bad allergies. I'm going to Text me and let me know yeah. where I need to because I need to start going to Trader Joe's. I need to be going somewhere because uh, your cousin uh, can't do it. You can go to the grocery Okay. You can go to the grocery store, slice up half a cucumber, put it in slices, okay. and put it in a half a gallon of water and let it sit and chill for an hour. So you don't have to go buy it. You just have mm-hmm. to go buy the cucumber. Okay. Because, I mean, yeah. I have to put my clothes on. I'm having... <laughs> My friend had me crazy. He said, I need to take a picture of you. I can't even get dressed sometimes. It's just, yeah. it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. So getting to it today's sucks, topic, man. when we talk about substance use and relationships, I want to first say and put it out there, when we talk about drugs and alcohol, and I always say including marijuana, because I just saw something recently where they were trying to legalize marijuana, and I said, you know, or I'm not against, but after I did all of that, Jeanette, your cousin started looking at stocks and investing in marijuana too. But, you know, but the thing is people are going to do what they do, and in some cases they do it for a variety of reasons, and sometimes it is to make them feel good. Now, no one wants to feel or you would think they don't want to feel bad about something. Now, today, and I know my son is probably tired of me talking about him, but last night I could tell he was a little drunk, and it got on my nerves. It really got on my nerves. Now, today he's sober, totally different person. So when we talk about substance use and relationships, many individuals are not aware or may not be aware 
of how their behavior may impact. Now, you know in our family, we've seen some drinking. We've seen a lot of stuff. What is your take on that, cousin, when it comes to substance use and relationships? Well, I'll I'll just speak for myself, Uh, (laughs) but I generally don't like to hang with people when they're drunk or drinking because they're not really themselves, you know. And they say and do things that are uh, completely inappropriate. Um, You know, I don't drink myself. I mean, I drink a little, but I don't drink enough to say that I drink, you know. (laughs) I drink Uh two beers two beers every six months or something. So it's not really part of my, my lifestyle, you know. So I just generally don't like to be around it, um, especially when it's excessive because, you know, my dad drank pretty heavy, you know. Uh-huh. He's pretty he's pretty a happy guy when he drank, thank goodness, you know. But some people aren't so so happy when they drink. Uh-huh. They get they're angry drunk and abusive and I and, They're not in their right mind a lot of times, so I just don't really like to do it. I'm not talking about people drinking wine and stuff and, Uh you know, Merlot. I'm talking about people drinking. You know what I'm talking about. And, you know, and this is the thing, thing, Cedric, and that's true because with my uncle, and I've seen my uncle drink, and he was a happy drunk. I've seen violent drugs. I've seen rich drugs. I've seen... I've seen different personalities come out of people when they're under the influence of a controlled substance. And that's the scary part. And with me growing up, I did not like the behavior. I did not like what I saw. So I was one that would pour people's alcohol out or, you know, people smoke weed, I'd turn on a fan and watch them try to catch their weed as it's blowing all off the table. You know, I was one, I I can mess up your high. I, I really could. But when we start talking about the distinction between a substance use and abuse or addiction, many individuals don't like to admit that they have an addiction. They'll say, oh, I can stop whenever I want to, or what they do is some people use it for social, recreational purposes. Some individuals, like I say, you can go to a kid's party and you'll find more alcohol at a kid's party than you will at a grown-up's party sometimes. And it's like, if it's a kid's party, why do they have all this alcohol? Going to, my grandson likes going to John's Incredible Pizza. Alcohol. Chuck E. Cheese. Alcohol. So I never really understood, is it to make the parents happy? Or is it, what is that, you know, and, and I understand that too, people, some people drink because they're bored. I get that too. But when you use, despite the consequences, or you think about the number of individuals that have DUIs and say, on oh, their first DUI, I'm going to never do it again, or the increase of domestic violence when it comes to alcohol or drug-related incidents. See, I saw a lot of that growing up, and I think that that kind of had an impact on my decisions. And I just never wanted to be under the influence of a controlled substance and not know what I was doing. I just never wanted to be that way. So why do you think you chose yeah. not to change? Um, you know, I just don't think it's conducive to, like, who I am or how I live. You know what I mean? It's just I don't, I don't necessarily frown upon drinking or people to drink. I just mm. know it doesn't work for me because I just really don't like it. 
you know, I don't like the way I feel afterwards. I don't like, you know, so why am I going to purposefully take something that I know is going to make me feel like crappy in the morning and all that stuff? Like my well-being is, is really important to me, you know, not just my physical, but my mental well-being. And I just don't like to, it's not like the juice isn't worth the squeeze in that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not worth it to, like, oh, man, we turned up last night. But this I know, like I know. You call it early. You early in the toilet. You know? it's like, that was supposed to be fun? You know, I'll be the exactly. only one <laughs> having a good time. Or my mother used to say, I could smell it. Have just as much fun smelling it. But the thing is, right. I always that some individuals, and I always say that it just be, just because people use drugs and alcohol doesn't mean that they always have problems. It doesn't. Right. And right. Hey, yeah, is, I agree 100%. Correct. And they use it as a Band-Aid. I used to say that the same problem I would have or had prior to consuming a controlled substance, just because I become under the influence doesn't mean that my problem is not going to go away. No, it doesn't have to go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, sometimes it makes it worse. I talked about at parties, but even at funerals. When you when people are grieving and they don't want to feel something or they numb themselves, they will numb themselves with a controlled substance. Now I want to say something to you, and you know when we start talking about the difference between youth and abuse, and talking about drug abuse. And I'm looking at something, and in the case, it says several drug abuse is often thought to be less severe than drug addiction. And people say, well, I don't have an addiction. I can stop whenever I want to. Now, when I was at the casino, I told my friend, why you let me spend all that money at the casino? I said, we go spend what I got in my wallet. No SIM cards, no nothing. When I ran out of money, I didn't even know how much money I had in my wallet. I had to backtrack to figure out how much money I may have had. And I still yeah. got a thousand machine. Because I had my little puppy dog eyes. I was like, can you please go get my um, ATM card? <laughs> That's why you leave it at home, girl. I leave can it you? at home. I leave it at home. Me and Jamie go, they, they stay at home. <laughs> and we go, all right, we're going to come right here. We're going to tell you that. She just. And and I, left, you know, I probably had I had two coins. I probably had a dollar. I was like, uh, yep. they got enough to be at home because. Uh, and then he gonna tell me this morning. Well, you can't go to the casino for a whole month. I'm like, it's my birthday weekend. I normally go to the casino for my. Birthday. Yeah, don't. Do that. <laughs> you, know, you just gotta. You just gotta. You know, I guess it's the same thing with like drug, like abuse mm. or use people, places, and things, you know, you got to set yourself up to where you can't depend on your willpower, you know. Oh, willpower ain't going to help you. Because the last time you depended on your willpower, you ended up, you know, doing stuff that you ain't supposed to do. So you got to put yourself, you got to damn near set yourself up not to fail as much as set yourself up to succeed. You know what I mean? <laughs> And this is what he said to me, Cedric. He said, he looked at me and he said, basically, he said, can you afford it? Are you going to be okay? I'm going to be in there. whatever I want <laughs> Go get my cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. But, you can, oh, you, you can, you'll be okay, but that doesn't make it a good decision. Just it did not make no sense. 
And then you say, what? well, you just what? spent your birthday money. You never. I'm sitting up here like, Cedric, I didn't think I didn't spent about two grand yesterday. Right. I, For no know, reason. But, hey, okay, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But talking yeah, about you, I that. Mean, you got up, you did your show today. You, you went and saw your, you know, your clients. You, you, you yeah, went on with your I life. Did. But it still doesn't, it still doesn't make it a good decision. Correct. That's yeah. what I told him. I said, now I got to make it up, so now I got to do some work and I got to do all of this stuff. But the thing is this. It's about being responsible. But when I talk about yeah. relationships, sometimes we may not pay attention to the impact that it has on our relationships with other people. Sure. Because I yep. didn't take into consideration how he may have felt with me sitting there all of that time, even though I was right. having fun. And he wants to make sure that I'm having a good time but part of it was he was supposed to help me regulate, and I'm giving him $100 chips to hold on to. But then once my money right. went down, I'm going to have my chip back. <laughs> so yeah, now his thing, was, his thing was, since you gave me authority, you ain't doing that no more. I ain't going to let you right, do this no. no more. So when we yeah, start talking I gotta about save you from you. the damage done. Now, first of all, yeah. when we talk about substance use and relationships, many individuals don't understand that it's not that their loved ones may not want them to have a good time, to enjoy themselves, but we don't realize the damage or they may not realize the fear that the other individuals may be dealing with. Now, I'm looking at this article, and it says five ways addicts typically behave in a relationship. First of all, it's the behavior. From distrust and abusive behavior to health complications and mental illness, addiction can seriously damage a relationship. It really can. Now, it was cool we sitting there at Paula, even though it's the first of the month and it's my birthday weekend, but what if I wouldn't have paid the mortgage? I got. I just bought me a new car. I, done, I, I ain't got no food. Then that can have a problem and impact our relationship. Now, a partner Absolutely. struggling Substance abuse can seem like a completely different person when they're sober. That's one of the things that individuals now, and, and it doesn't matter the relationship. It could be a work-related relationship. It could be a mother-child relationship. It could be a dating relationship, a sibling relationship. I don't like being around my siblings when they was under the influence of alcohol. Because right. whenever we right. have a family gathering, somebody go get beat up. It's going to be a fight. So I had to be sober to make sure I can bob and weave and get the heck out of the way. So when we start talking about and just even being married and dating someone, like I said, I get upset with my son when he's under the influence of alcohol. So they become a completely different person when they're sober, and the partner may feel lost, exhausted, frustrated, and afraid for their safety and the safety of others which are completely valid responses because loving someone with a habit, now I'm going to say a habit, loving someone with a habit or an addiction, Cedric, is hard. That's hard work. And the other person may not realize it. You know, my son got this thing now, it gets on my nerve, to where he'll go to the store and get drunk in the store. Like, don't nobody know you in the bathroom getting drunk. And just yesterday, yeah. Saturday, Saturday, I'm in Compton. I'm at the gas station. I see somebody walking down the street, and I'm looking at this man like, 
this man looked like my son. I know good and well my son did not make it to oh, she took content. I said, but he looked too old to be my son. It was my Uncle David, my mother's only live brother. So when I uh, walked the street, I looked at him, I said, you look like my baby daddy. I know I know, I know you from somewhere. So I'm joking with my uncle, right? I said, where right. are you coming from? Oh, I just walked to the store. You walked all the way down to the store? He said, yeah, I went to go get a drink. He walked from by Martin Luther King Hospital all the way down by Bill's Market on 133rd before you like get to Stockwell where Grandma lives. That's a long mm-hmm. freaking walk. And the first thing I thought of, I wonder if he went in the bathroom at the store to go get drunk like my son be doing. So, well, well, what was he doing at the hospital? No, he lived down that way. That's how far to walk. Okay, he lived that way. Okay, I got you. I got you. Lived yeah. down that way, yeah. and he walked mm-hmm. more than a mile to the store to go get a drink. Mm-hmm. But I also know how when my uncle is under the influence, how it impacts his relationships with other people, and it wasn't right. always. So when we start talking about this, and I said loving someone with an addiction is hard. So if you're in a relationship with an addict, the first thing you should do is make sure that your partner and whomever else you live with is safe. Safety is of the utmost importance. Now, here are five addict behaviors to watch out for if you're in a relationship with someone who abuses substances. The self-destructive behavior in a relationship is a person with an addiction can be irresponsible. I was totally irresponsible yesterday. Now, an addict's main goal is to feed their addiction, which can result in dangerous, reckless, and selfish behavior. For example, one might start to realize that they're out late binging, drinking, or partying with friends multiple times a week, and these kinds of actions can lead to blackouts and morning hangovers that make them late or cause them to call in sick to work. My son was so out of control, I woke up this morning, he didn't go to work. I'm like, that's being irresponsible. What is your take on that with being irresponsible? Not only with just the not going to work, getting DUIs, can get arrested, can get into fights with people they don't even know, wind up with scars and bruises, they don't even know where they came from, lose their phone and don't know where they lost it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, there's a million. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear you that. What are some of the other irresponsible behaviors that you know that a person may engage in using or under the influence of a controlled substance? Uh, well, you know, your, your judgment's poor, you know what I mean? So when you're under the influence of a substance, you're, like, you're liable to do anything. You know, forget mm-hmm. that a baby's in a car. You know, like there's a million. And they, like, financially spend more than you, like, you should have spent at any place, not just like a, a bar or casino or just going shopping, you know, going online shopping and looking at your bill. Like, I don't remember spending all this money. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. There's just there's a million ways, and none of them are generally good. Correct. But you're going to end up being really disappointed eventually. Like, like you could afford to lose that money, Jeanette, but you can't afford mm-hmm. to lose that money every day. That's true. You know? That's true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's true. So, and see, with, um, with, and this is what he'll do. And I shouldn't be talking too loud because he can hear me. 
it will allow me to go at least on the weekend, once a week, because he knows that's my outlet. If I'm seeing clients all day long, taking care of writer, running up, he'll, let me give her at least a day where she can just mm-hmm. oofa, have fun. He saw how happy it makes. Yeah. He saw how it makes me feel, but not to that degree. Now, I'm not saying I always lose because I normally don't always lose, but by that same right. token, yeah. I went in there with a plan, and my plan just was not executed, and he just failed. <laughs> my plan yeah. did not so work at not- all. So that you was may have an place. unhealthy relationship, you know, with God. <laughs> you know, it yeah. may not necessarily be an addiction. You know, like you mm. said, it doesn't have to be an addiction to be abusive, but right. it's definitely unhealthy, you know. It's definitely right. an unhealthy And it is a relationship. relationship. You know, I have a very unhealthy relationship with it. You know? it's, it's interesting you said that because I had a, I know a male, and he shared one time how a person told him when they broke up, when you leave, take this B-I-T-C-H with you. And the B-I-T-C-H that he was talking about was the bottle of alcohol, meaning you love this one, you love me. And I was like, wow. And people don't realize how the other person may feel when you're in your using stage and you're neglecting, ignoring, or um, doing things that may have an impact on somebody else. Here's another one it says, Cedric, is addicts may be depressed. When a person is dealing with depression, an addiction is a disease, and it can also be connected with other mental illnesses, such as depression. And the depression is both a symptom and a cause of addiction, and you may notice concerning behaviors linked to both. So what happens is if that person gets inebriated, gets depressed, or feeling bad and negative, it can have an impact on the relationship because what is the other person supposed to do when you're dealing with someone that's suffering from depression? And the feelings of hopelessness, hopelessness add fuel to the fire, and you may notice them drinking more when they're sad. Or at a point, the habit becomes a dangerous, a, a, um, a cyclonic pattern to where they may lose interest in things that they used to enjoy and start neglecting their own needs and self-care routines. That has an impact on the relationship. Don't nobody want to be walking around so pissy drunk or somebody don't want to take a bath because they high or whatever the case may be, that will impact the relationship with other people. Parents don't even want to see that in their children. Well, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about what you do for a living, Jeanette, um, <laughs> is, is you have the ability to get to the bottom of why people do these things. Because it's generally not, you know, it's, it's from childhood trauma. It's from stuff that they're dealing with. And if they can just kind of face it and deal with it, a lot of that, as you well know, goes away. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to self-medicate anymore because they've taken care of the issue. Correct. There you go. You know what a lot of it, it just kind of takes care of itself a lot of times, you know. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if the reason I drink goes away, um, then generally I'm not going to drink. Now, you got to replace it with something else because you might go back to alcohol or something. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you take something away, you got to put something in there to fill it up, and hopefully right. it's like God or, you know, golf or something that's not so self-destructive, you know. Something that's not, and the thing is, you know, you're right, because people do substitute addictions. Even when they start, and they start going to AANA meetings, they start, you know, becoming addicted to food, addicted to candy, addicted to sex, right. addicted to, sure. 
you know, a, yep. a different thing. We will do addictions. We really will. And right. some individuals have what's right. called a addictive personality. I know I have an addictive right. personality. So what I like, I love, and yep. I got to balance and maintain that. Another thing with addiction right. in about substance use and relationships is addicts can be abusive. We got to be careful with Very. that because it can foster abusive behaviors in addicts. Now, the abusive behavior can be physical. It can be verbal because sometimes we start saying things. They always say a drunk speaks a sober mind. Or it can be emotional, which can be directed towards either party in the relationship. And addicts may try to blame you or guilt trip another person or coerce one to avoid facing their own shame in order to get what they want. They may also lash out with passive aggression or even physical abuse if things get really bad and unsafe. So you've got to be careful, especially when you're dealing with a, a violent drunk or someone that becomes very abusive and toxic in relationships. So you got to be aware of that and how that may have an impact on another person. Now, when we start talking about these things, and they may view concern, intervention, and consultation as a personal attack. When my son is under the influence of alcohol, I distance myself. I distance myself for a lot of reasons. First of all, I don't want to catch a case. Secondly, I distance myself because i got to be careful with my mouth of what may come out of it. And sometimes they may not process things the way you may process. And I don't know, you know, he might want to go off on me too. Who knows? So it may not just be me. And another thing is codependency can occur. And codependency is another form of abuse that is often overlooked because it isn't always negative. Sometimes you may be trying to help the person. So unhealthy codependency breeds enabling and controlling behavior in toxic one-sided relationships when individuals are suffering from addiction, and they may not even be aware of it. If my son would have woke up and said, Mom, can you call my boss and tell him I'm not coming in? Nope, I'm not doing it. Get your butt up and go to work. You know, so codependency can especially be destructive if there are two addicts in a relationship because sometimes cousins, they enable each other. Because sometimes it's not always just one person that may have a substance use issue. It could be both or an abusive issue, a substance abuse issue. It could be both. Any take on that? Well, you know, Jeanette, like, all I can think of when you say stuff like that is, like, watching my 600-pound wife. You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you see <clears throat> these folks around the people that weigh over 600 pounds, they clearly love them. But they just have no boundaries. You know what I mean? They just enable these folks to get to this size. And some of the folks can't even get out of bed. So Mm -hmm. you're literally bringing their death to them because you don't have the ability to say no or you feel guilty about them being in that situation in the first place. And with your guilt, you just made Mm -hmm. it worse. You know? So I'd imagine that, you know, like, Food is a, like a real addiction, but, I mean, I'd imagine that it's um, less obvious when somebody's uh, doing drugs that they can kind of keep it together and work and stuff. But but the thing about like, food addiction is you can't really hide it because it shows in your in your physical form, you know. So that's why can, I use that example. Talking about, it can when you're talking about if the person 
like you said, if, if the person becomes 600 pounds. Um, I stepped right, on the right, scale right. today from the last time I was here, and I noticed that I've lost 15 pounds. And part mm-hmm. of that is, as you show with my daughter, my daughter kept telling me, Mom, you ain't dying on my watch. I refuse. Right. You go eat healthy. So I've been doing right. my best to, now you heard me say my best because I don't lie well. I've been You're doing best. my best You're to best. make sure I maintain. Right. I notice when I go off of eating the way I'm supposed to, I notice how it makes me feel, and I notice how it messes with my digestive system. That much I notice. And even when we talk about drugs and alcohol, many individuals will like the feeling, but they don't realize what it's doing to their body, and that's what food does. Because food can do things to your um, dopamine, increase your dopamine, your serotonin, all of that that make you feel good. Oh, I love me some food. Trust and believe. But by that same token, I don't want to be sitting here. I'm already hurting and can barely move. I don't want to be no 600 pounds. I remember one time my doctor called me grossly obese, and I said, your mama. I said, I may be obese, but I ain't gross. So you ain't grossly obese. I, <laughs> I did. My doctor did not like me. Now, now I got to call them today and say, uh, what are some of the remedies that we could do for this pain? But I think I'm going to try your cucumber water I don't want they pills. I don't. You know, because the doctor told me a long time ago, my rheumatologist told me, he said, people don't die from illnesses, they die from complications from medication. So as I'm looking at right. all these commercials with joint pains and arthritis, and this is may cause this, may cause that, may cause this, may cause, and may lead to death. Right. Why do I want to do all of that if I'm going to die anyway? Exactly. So let me enjoy it, but right. I don't want the pain. I do not want to do, and then be, well, why don't you smoke some weed? I don't want to smoke no weed. Hell, I like to eat. I ain't trying to smoke no weed. Right. But I don't you like to twice as much, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really I think hurts. if you smoke weed, yeah. you'll be eating twice as much, yeah. yeah. I know. That ain't going to work. So that's going to work for me. Yeah. Auntie was like, well, try some CBD oil. No. I don't want no. I'd rather try WD-40. <laughs> yeah, right, I don't know. I heard, I heard that CB. I heard that CBD oil is really good, though, for your joints mm. and stuff, from what I understand. Well, we go, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out because I'm not yeah. going to be living like this. I got you, yeah. It's no joke. So getting back to we talked about the relationship, this is another one that indicates is a person that used or an addict rely on deception. The deception and the betrayal can also have an impact on the relationships, meaning partners struggling with addiction may act shady, and deceitful as they try to hide their addiction. I remember I was sharing how I remember before I would go to the casino and a guy that I was dating in Mississippi, if he would call my house and I didn't answer the phone, or if he would call my phone and I didn't answer because my phone no one did, he would call the casino. And they'd be like, Jeanette, Abney, please report to the house phone. I'd be like, who the hell calling me at the casino? This stuff would be busting up laughing because he knew he could and if I wasn't home, I was at the casino. And he knew I wasn't going to lie. That's what I wasn't going to do. But when you deal with right. someone that is, and you're talking about the, the um, deception, that has a big impact on the relationship because the other person don't know if they can trust you. They don't know if they can believe you. So what happens is you may catch them either taking money, spending more than the intended, while, which often leads to depleting sharing, shared savings sometimes, 
and they may disappear late nights for long periods of time without anything planned or claiming that they have a meeting with a friend and they are doing something they ain't got no business doing. So you want to make sure that if you confront them about these kinds of behaviors or ask concerned questions, they will often like to cover up the disease because they're ashamed. It's not like they always want to lie to you, but sometimes you already know what they've been doing. You can, I tell people, even Cedric, when I, when I tell a person and I'm doing my groups, I can look at them and tell when they hide. I can look at their dilated pupils. I can smell it. I'm on a big nose. I can smell it. You know, I can say, I can mention drug tests, and I can look at their response or their reaction. And I can say, oh, this is a problem. So these are some of the things that happens, like I said, with the relationship. And the partner in the relationship with the addict may lose trust in their partner as the lies deepen and become more powerful. They get tired of being lied what do you think about the deception that goes along with the relationship? Um, well, clearly, Jeanette, if you're, if you're living in a particular way, um, in a way that's not conducive to the way your partner lives or conducive to, um, to being healthy, there's going to have to be some lies told, you know. <laughs> like, it's just, like, you won't even be able to, like function if there's not some, if somebody ain't lying, you know what I mean? Like the Wait little minute, functionality you that, that you have. Well, you said that because it, it made me think. I remember about what a week ago. I kept asking him. I was like, "Which one to eat? I don't know. Which one to eat? I don't know." I said, "You know what? M and M sounds good." We went to M and M. No, he went to M and M's. I didn't even go to M and M. He went to M and M's to get the food. He should walked in the house. Didn't even open the container and say, "Looked like somebody had some M and M's." I thought hell she had the house, even though I know she got cameras in the house. But I was like, "Was she listening to my conversation? How she know I went right. to M and M's?" Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Looking like somebody had mm-hmm. some M and M's, and then she go eat all my sides yeah. and say, "Um, did you want some sides? If I didn't, you not ate it all." So the thing is, you do yeah, have to kind of lie and cheat and steal, and, because it becomes heavy on the other person. And me, teacher and I was just doing it just with food, Cedric. With food, I'm not buying fruit, right. cantaloupe, yeah. and, and all the yeah. other stuff. I ain't ate none of that. I want some M and M's. I want some M and M's. And my daughter was like, "Look, like somebody didn't have some M and M's." So another thing is, addicts will become distant. That can have an impact on the relationship because you'll start ghosting the person. And you may notice that things don't feel right anymore and they don't seem the same to be the same person they used to be. And typically an individual with that type of behavior in a relationship involves neglecting all their relationships and only spending time with people who share their addiction. So you'll notice who they're hanging out with. you notice that they're going out to bars more. You'll see a change in their behavior. Now, I want to say this, and it says, to learn more about addiction and how addicts behave in relationships can pose a real struggle for the sober partner because addiction can have a wide range of effects on someone's behavior that can cause serious tensions between individuals. And the effects can vary from severity from person to person. And if you have an addict in your life or someone you might think may be struggling with a substance abuse, it is crucial to keep an eye out for concerning changes in their behavior. While it's important to remember 
that addiction is a disease, not a choice. People say they choose to get high. Some individuals drink to not die because their addiction can be so right. severe to where they can have seizures, they can have the, um, the DTs, delirium tremors. It can be a whole lot of stuff. So some people may drink to live, not just drink to get drunk. So you want to make sure that you understand that it's not a choice, and it is critical to maintain healthy boundaries while your loved one is using. And addiction is a challenging thing to help someone overcome alone, meaning you can't do this by yourself. You can't love someone to sobriety, and you can't give them ultimatum hands because that's not going to work. And part of it is being consistent. You want to be consistent. You know, I know that with my son, I already know he going to struggle with being sober. I get that part. I just don't want to see it, and I just don't want it to be around me. And that's the problem. And this is a mother-child relationship, mother-son. You know, I don't want to be seeing my son. I walk outside, he got he had an alcohol in the doghouse, or I'm pouring stuff out uh, because I find alcohol bottles all over the place. So when we start talking about how does addiction affect relationships, we know, like I said, blatantly honest, talking about this subject, many individuals don't want to talk about it. They sweep it up under the rug. They try to hide it because they want to, they want to believe that the person is going to get better. And there are many costs associated with substance misuse and addiction. And one of the greatest costs is the relationship with friends, with families, and there are no healthy, functioning relationship maneuvering successfully through the realms of addiction and abuse. Nothing good is going to come out of this. And, you know, know, Jeanette, you know, you're ashamed a lot of the times, and that shame is what will kill you too, you know, instead of of just dealing with it, you, like, personalize it and make it like a personal defect. You know, mm-hmm. it's really, there's something else probably going on with you. Like, it could, mm-hmm. be, it could be just genetically um, designed to, to be addicted to, you know, your body may just be set up for alcohol addiction or drug addiction just by your, your genetics alone, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, and that's, you put the alcohol because... on your mouth, but genetics might be one of the things that keeps you from putting it down. You know what I mean? You know, growing up with my father's addiction, my mother's addiction, and being a child and watching and witnessing all of that, and I'm looking at individuals that have logged on to Facebook and that I know that have had and struggled with use and abuse, and, you know, and I've seen it so much. And you, there is a lot of shame. There is a lot of, there is a whole lot of um, disappointment in, in that, a lot. And addiction affects all kinds of relationships. And every relationship that comes face-to-face with substance abuse and addiction is bound to suffer tremendously. And whether it's romantic, whether, like I said, mother-son, mother, I, one of the reasons that my son don't understand why, he might say what he's doing, what he don't. He may not know, but I watch my mother mother go through so much stuff with my uncle. I watched it. I think grandma kind of ignored a lot of stuff with Carter and Lieutenant and Bubby, I don't think she really, she never was really vocal like my grandmother, my other grandmother was. And as a kid, I never wanted to experience that. So when I'm seeing it with my son, I get 
frustrated. I get like, you don't realize I've been down this road. I've seen it before, and I vow to never live like that. But it's like he forces me and put me in this situation, but where it's going to hit him is when he sees his kids going through it right. or how his right. kids are reacting to him. Or, you know, that's when it may hit him. I don't know. Because even with Carter, the stuff that Carter did, said, Carter connected more with me than he did with anybody else. And I don't know if it was because he wanted my acceptance. I don't know if it was because he was ashamed of his behavior of what I saw. I don't know what that was really about. But I know that his whole demeanor would change when I would come around. I noticed that. But I never really questioned him about why. Now, when we're talking about these things and talking about the trust issues, feeling hurt, anxiety, the um, side effects of substance abuse in a relationship for a partner or both, these issues slowly wear away at a relationship and gradually lead into the dissipation of happiness that will eventually lead to failures of the relationship and not just the romantic kind because you've got some individuals that don't even want to deal with their parents anymore because they had an alcoholic mother or alcoholic father or whatever the case may be. And addiction don't just hurt the person that's battling it. It affects all aspects of life, including family, friends, and lovers, and relationships will suffer because of the substance abuse and addiction. Siblings can grow angrily with each other. Mothers cry. Fathers wrestle with helplessness. Friends grapple with anxiety and confusion. All of them wishing sometimes that they knew how to make it better. But sometimes there's really nothing that they can do. And these relationships can um, cause personal hurt and can be heated from time to time. And, you know, sometimes therapy can work. You know, putting a person in rehab, I'm sitting here going, driving, going, I am sitting in his room going crazy because I don't know what they done gave away of my stuff in the garage, and they know I'm a hoarder. Jerome, I, I mean, I'm going to call you Jerome. I hear people in my garage. <laughs> yeah, you got to get rid of that stuff, girl. I don't want to get rid of all that stuff over there. I hear voices. Get rid of that stuff. You ain't using that stuff. Get rid of that. Like, not the not I know I'm stuff. not using it. And I, I hear. But, but you ain't using that stuff, girl. Get rid of that stuff. I hear people in my garage. <laughs> yeah. Like Jamie won't let nothing stay at this house. Mister, Mister, Reggie, open the door, please. How much stuff has he given away? I'll take a ride. She taking my stuff and he go have a yard sale with my stuff. They just taking all of my stuff out the garage. I've got 12 more minutes left on this show, and I don't even know what's going to be missing. That's just wrong on so many levels. You wait till I get out there. <laughs> you ain't gonna he cleaned it out already? That's when they put her truck up. Her truck? <laughs> y'all wrong, y'all wrong, y'all wrong on so many levels. I mean, Cedric, I am in here going crazy. <laughs> so you need to get rid of that stuff. You ain't I'm doing just, nothing with that stuff, but junking up the 
dunking up the garage. Like when you drive past people's garages, you can't even you can't even look inside of them because they're in space. But that's some go. Oh, it goes in that. What you just gave away? There you go. What I gave away. I hear voices out there. Giving away trash. There you go. Giving away trash. It's trash. Let it go. Hey, I got the clothes on. Why can't go fishing with his pajamas on? Look what he's doing. Oh, my God. They are driving me crazy up in here. I mean, Sean Poole, I see what you're saying, Sean Hill. They done gave away practically everything I got. And the suckers will come, Cedric, you know you're wrong, right? Half of the stuff in there was, ooh, was my mama. He's going to come in here and give me bully chills. Really? This was you going to give me a box with some bully chills? But, um. Uh, that, that's, that's so it's not like there's that's, anything your mom can do with it now, Jeanette, you know. I understand. It's not like there's anything she can do with it now. Problem. Yeah. <laughs> problem. Yeah, give it away by stuff. <laughs> He's giving it to people yeah, so they can have They're going to sell the stuff. That, I'm going to have to go to the garage and sell them buy my stuff back. Yeah, you do that if you want to. <laughs> let that stuff go, girl. You got to let, let stuff go. Let it go. Uh, well, he cleaned out the he cleaned out the Compton garage. So now the Compton garage right. is clean. Now the Ocean garage okay. is gonna be clean. And um, right. You know, I got to load it back up with stuff. Yeah. And it, but the problem is, I can't see it because I'm sitting in this room. <laughs> yeah, so it's more of a control issue than anything to that. I'm just hearing it. Okay, so we support someone with an addiction. I want to share that information. I know we got like 10 minutes left on the show. And it's painful to watch um, someone you care about deeply and slowly pull them out of what they're dealing with. Because substance abuse is painful not only to the person that's going through the addiction, but it's also painful for the people that surround them. When we see our loved ones hurting and we wish desperately to help them, without the slightest idea of how to best provide for them. You know, their counseling is available, therapy, rehab. you got to know what kind of drugs and substance they're using. You know, some individuals think that alcohol is innocent. Alcohol is one of the hardest substances to treat when you're talking about alcohol addiction. You know, I've, I've worked with individuals with multiple addictions, but they are what you call polysubstance abuse. But, Cedric, one of the most challenging is alcohol and opiate addiction. Because when they're addicted to pills and they're addicted to alcohol, they can die. And I'm aware right. of that. That's why I also share with them information of whether they need detox, social model detox, meaning they're going cold turkey, or if they um, are um, medical model, social model detox, medical model detox, where they need medication, residential, or outpatient, or anticipated outpatient. Now, Sean, you said estate sales brings more than most garage sales. You know what, Sean? I hate to say this, but I'm going to put it out there. My mother been deceased for 14 years. Wow. She's about to say something crazy, huh? You know, because she said estate sales bring <laughs> in more than just garage sales. But- so for 14 years, I still got some of my grandmother's stuff. My grandmother's been gone for over 20 years. I got a whole bunch of junk in that garage. I got I get back at you later clothes. I got all kinds of stuff.
go. What are you going to do with it, Jeanette? Are you just going to hold it? What, what, what purpose is it serving? I don't know what it's, purpose it's serving. It's not. It's just there. And, you know, and then I just bought my friend that passed away. I bought his 66 Cutlass, Cutlass um, what is it, his Cutlass Oldsmobile. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's part That's of the reason why right. so you can put it in the garage to fix that up. I got a lot. Yes, Sean, you're right. And cold turkey is often deadly. That is true. And a lot of individuals don't realize that. And I always tell the individuals, whether they have a DTs, which is delirium tremors, I tell them that honey water. If you find yourself craving the sugar from alcohol, get you some water and put some honey in it. And that mm-hmm. can also help. So that's one of the things that you can do. Now, when individuals, we're talking about marijuana. I just saw where they legalized marijuana, and they're talking about marijuana federally now, and it's supposed to be passing, or they're trying to get it through um, political. But that's going to lead to more addictive behaviors, too. And I've had parents, Cedric, that say, well, I don't mind my child smoking marijuana. But marijuana could be the gateway drug for a lot of other controlled substances. Absolutely. And the problem is marijuana in your weed. You don't know sometimes what the hell you smoking. It ain't like you smoking your yeah. grandma weed that grew in a garden in the backyard. It's all kind exactly. of different in that. And they mix it, mixing fentanyl with a lot of stuff. So these things are affecting relationships in a lot of different ways. So pause before you take action. If you're if you love the person and it's making you feel like you've got to do something, sometimes you've got to take a deep breath and also make sure that you know what you're doing. Don't give them ultimatums. Don't give them demands. Don't do all this stuff because that's not going to work. So before you jump the gun and decide to confront your loved one, you must understand that a person with an addiction is a delicate and can be a complex issue. Because sometimes they don't want you to know. <laughs> when she said homegrown is cool, but store-bought is tainted. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is so true. So, again, before you talk to anyone about what is going on, you should take a little time to think about the situation and circumstances that, that basically they may be facing and that you may be facing. So a lot of times we can make their situation and their problems even worse but if it's someone that you know that is close to you, you might want to seek some type of assistance and be careful with interventions. I do interventions, Cedric, but I'm very mindful of when I'm going into somebody else's home that I'm not going in their home right. to take over the home. I'm not going in their home to beat the person up that has the problem because it's a family problem. It's not just a, that one person where we try to make that child the problem or become problematic. So I look at it from a whole different systemic and dynamics and what can I do to help this family from what they share with me, what I pick up, what I discern, and because I'm knowledgeable in whether it's the court system or mental health issues or dealing with family relational issues, I try to approach it from that perspective to try to help the whole family, not just the person with the addiction. Because sometimes people can get on your nerves so bad you want the other person want to go get something. So, again, right. want to make sure that, you know, you weigh these things out, but professional help is available. 
Now, also, when we talk about thinking through the situation, it could be lonely and complicated road to intervention. Sometimes, because people don't know what to do. Parents don't know what to do. The spouse don't know what to do. They really don't. They try to hide it. They try to minimize it. Mm -hmm. It don't go away. So I want you to know that. It don't go away. But there is help available. Recovery is possible if the person wants recovery. You know, I was telling um, my friend, i got to go back. I haven't been to my office in a while, and partly because of COVID and then partly because I don't want to drive. But I'm getting calls from my clients, and some of these clients, I've been, they, they was in my program 10, 15 years ago. They were like, Jeanette, we need to talk to you. Jeanette, we need to see you. Jeanette, you need to go back into the office. Jeanette. I told them mm-hmm. I'll be there on Saturday. So I'm going to go, and you know, because they will call me and reach out to me. Now, Sean is saying we have to give ourselves the ultimatum for all I've learned the person with the addiction has to want to change. That is true. But when you know better, you do better. And you also have to get to the root of the addiction. You know, it could be hereditary. It could be environmental. It could be um, you got individuals that did not have a substance abuse problem until they may have had a medical condition, too, where they could have had an injury. I complain about this arthritis. But, boy, there's some medications that make you feel real good. And you don't know before you look up, you're addicted to opiates. And that's not something that they don't doing. But now they got to take these opiates in order for them to feel normal. And where it becomes scary, Cedric, is if you have a teenage child that's using drugs. So you got to be prepared to take action if you suspect that your teen or young adult is using drugs because that's huge too. So if you are a parent and you've discovered or have reason to believe that your child is using nicotine, alcohol, drugs, the first thing to do is sit down, take a deep breath, even though we know that it could be scary, but the problem is you've got to do something about it. Don't ignore it. Do not ignore it. But you've got to also remember that you're not alone, but you've got to be prepared to be called a hypocrite, especially if you use. Right. They have had a history of drug and alcohol abuse and use, and they've done it in front of their kids, and now that their kids are doing it, and now they're going to tell the kids what to do, what not to do, do as I say, not as I do. That don't work. My mother has this philosophy I would rather for my kids to get high at home than get high in the street. That made absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> what is your take I've on that? that? Be prepared. I've heard that. I've heard that, Jeanette, like the kids that I work with. And mm-hmm. I guess, I guess um, they're trying to keep them safe. I guess that's their thought process. Um, but I prefer that they don't do it. But you know what, Jeanette? I don't. I don't know because I like I don't have a child and I don't know how I would respond if I if I if they were keeping it from me and were stumbling in and you know uh, I'd be very concerned it would wear me out so I, it it sounds like that's really stupid but I don't know man you know the world is a dangerous place you know what it's it's hard you know I talk about my son a lot but my son has a my mother used to say, if when he do something that ain't nobody did, please let me know. Because I come from a family history of it, even though I didn't do it, his father was an alcoholic. Right. My mother was an alcoholic. His 
grandmother was an right. alcoholic. All of this stuff. So right. you see, an alcoholic is not abnormal. Right. But by that right. same token, I still wasn't prepared and don't want to deal with that mess. I really don't. Just because it's, it's not abnormal doesn't mean it's healthy. Correct. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, just oh, because it's normal because because the behavior is normalized doesn't mean it's healthy behavior. You know, I know I know people that their entire family, you know, smoke meth or whatever. You know, and, and that's normal to them. You Correct. know, but that doesn't mean. No, my son shared with me one time. He said my mother gave him alcohol when he was a kid. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. But me and my father mm-hmm. almost got into fight because I remember giving my son a 16th birthday party, and I saw my father in the hallway giving my son two cans of beer. And I went off on that man because right. he thought it was a rite of passage. That's not a rite of passage right. because now they did and gone, and I got to deal with this. So right. that's the problem. Right. So the problem is sometimes misery loves company. But do mm-hmm. the best you can to get your loved one some help. But you also got to be honest. When you talking about being honest, you got to let them know how you feel. And like I said, ultimatums and stuff don't work. Somebody said, mother said the same thing, and it was for safety. And she asked, what can we do about it? All you can do is provide resources, and they got to want the resources. When they know better, they do better. Sometimes people will come to you and say, I'm ready. I'm tired of this. Rock right. bottom is different for everybody. And even in when right. you're in a relationship. It's hard for me to be in a relationship with someone that I see that is on a road of self-destruction. I can't, I can't do it because I can't go down that right. road with you. I can't do that pity right. party with you. I can't, I'm not going to allow myself. It's not that I don't love you, but I love me more. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I have to separate myself from all of that. I will do so in order to maintain my sanity. So it's not sure. that sure. anything. Against it, I don't. I tell my, I tell people that all the time. I choose not to engage in an unhealthy, toxic relationship. It doesn't mean right. I don't love them. I don't care for the behavior, and I understand right. that it can turn into a habit. I want to say this, you know, because some people live and swear by AA, Alcoholic Anonymous, or Narcotics Anonymous, or um, they got Al-Anon, Alateen to try to educate mm-hmm. individuals. Group. There are support. There's support out there. They have what's called sober buddies, meaning that you can hire someone that can try to help you maintain a sober lifestyle because it is a lifestyle change. You know, I mm-hmm. talked a little Absolutely. bit of treatment modalities because there are different treatment modalities for different types of addiction. You know, like I said, I'm not going to tell a person that's addicted to pills just stop taking the pill. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't want nobody to have a seizure and die on my watch. But by that same token, as a therapist, I'm very honest in what I'm watching and what's going on. And sometimes my clients feel that they can be honest with me too. So you have to learn how to basically understand the recovery, and it's a process. It's the process of recovery. It's not easy. It's a day-by-day thing. You've got to understand your triggers. You've got to understand and change the thought process. You've got to deal with your craving. It's a whole lifestyle change. Now, I know we are running out of time, and this is a huge subject as we talk about substance use in relationships, but I to get you some help. It is available. You can call 211 and obtain information about um, resources that is local in your community. 
through your employer. I'm also what you call a substance abuse professional, so I do the staff assessments for the Department of Transportation, the airlines, unions. You got people, Cedric, that have six-digit jobs, making money, that kind of money, and they lose their job because they ate an edible or they didn't test positive for a pre-employment test or a random test. Those freaking assessments are expensive. Individuals are trying yeah. to go back to work. So when we start talking about these things, even in the church, you know, now in ministry they're learning a little bit more about substance use, mental health issues, because some individuals have what's called co-occurring disorders to where they may self-medicate because they have dealing with anxiety or depression or whatever the case may be. She said, I pulled a presenter to cover drug and alcohol addiction. I told her parents and wanted to know what they could do to prevent it. In regards to prevention, you know, they used to have the the D.A.R.E. program, and some individuals indicated that they started using drugs because they saw it and was exposed to it out of their curiosity. But by that same token, it depends on the individual. You've got to know what you're dealing with, especially if some some children can be born drug-induced. And once they get it in them, it can be hard to get it out of them. And some people have that craving. So one of the ways that I would say in regards to what they can do to prevent it is for them to know the signs and symptoms of it themselves. There's this video that I like, Mm -hmm. and it's called... And when it talks about get the facts, it covers every excuse you can possibly think of for why you're doing what you're doing. You know, like they say, been there, done that, got my T-shirt. I tell individuals, and one of the things that my clients say with me, Cedric, is they respect me because even though I don't come at them as if I've been drunk, I've been high, I, I learn to understand addiction and addictive behaviors. I understand the right. behavior. And I relate to them because you meet them where they are to help them try to get to where they want to go. Sometimes social media, the rap industry, a lot the music, a lot of that kind of glamorized things. Back in the day when they were doing Casablanca, the smoking, the drinking, they made it all seem cool. They didn't tell people that they were dying of cirrhosis of the liver. They didn't tell people that you can die yeah. of cancer. They didn't tell people, they don't tell you all the truth. So the one thing you can do to try to help prevent things is be honest with people. Live it, do the walk, live the walk. Let them know. That's all you can do. Now, again, I know we're running out of time, and I can't wait to go see what this garage should look like because it sounds like it's clean, and this is <laughs> probably giving away all of my stuff. Not all of it, Jeanette. I don't think they're getting it. But some got to come out of there, girl. How you going to make room for the blessings if you got a bunch of stuff? people having a garage sale. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had my own garage sale. No, and I wouldn't have had the kind of patience to have no garage sale. But, no, but I appreciate him doing that for me. He appreciated it because. I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I would not have done it. So, so um, until tomorrow, I've got to find the time we're going to talk about tomorrow. Because what do you want the listeners to know? What's going on in your life? What's, what's, what's going on? What's going on with your book? What's going on with all the other stuff? Tell them who you are, what you do, what you got going on. Well, we've been on, we've gone over this for about, I don't know how long you've been doing this show, but I am a writer. Um, I am writing um, another book. I'm assisting a gentleman. We're going to put together a a corporate trainer kind of motivational book. He was a boxer that I went to high school with. Um, He he ended up being a, a, I don't know if he's a world champion or an intercontinental champion or national. I I know he made a lot of money boxing and had some really good fights. Um, His name's Rodney Jones. He was a um, middleweight to cruiserweight and, uh, 
he went as far as he could, um, but we're, we're, we're coming up with a book called The Standing Eight, you know, eight ways to get motivated in your life and, 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 a, and a life plan. So we'll be starting that after tax season. I think he does taxes and stuff, so we'll, I'll be working on that. And I still got The Good Wolf, clearly, and, and the sequel, Randall Woodmore. And they're both picking up. They're starting to sell. You know, it's, just, it's kind of spurty, but, you know, this is a good cycle that we're in right now. So uh, we'll just ride that and try to build upon it and go from there. Okay. Well, definitely keep me informed. Let me know. Let me know if you need my help with anything. I love you. I'm proud of you. I love you, too. Yeah, I'm proud of you, too. I love you saw Facebook. Tisha was, she did a, they did a cousin trip. And my baby got mm-hmm. stuck. Everybody is back. I guess they left already. Allison, um, Shantae, Shawande, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Fia's daughter. My baby stuck in another state because her flight got canceled. Oh, I thought it was for COVID. Or they called her the bougie cousin. I said, no, they didn't call my baby bougie. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Shantae never called somebody bougie. bougie. I know. My baby got called the bougie. Just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.